Hello, everyone. You're listening to Elisa Unfiltered, Living Life Out Loud, the podcast. My name is Elisa Curry-Lowitz, and I'm here today speaking from the heart to inspire and motivate you to be your best self. There is so much more to life than the nine to five daily grind, and I want to share all of my secrets with you. So let's get started. Hey gang, welcome to Wednesday. Today it is Wednesday, August the 5th. It's a great day to be alive and we're in August. Like The summer's like, phew, it's like flying by. <laughs> what the actual heck? And honestly, I've had a crazy summer. I've been, I've had a really interesting few weeks. I'm really deep diving into this course creation. So I am so excited to tell you guys that I'm creating my very first signature online course and it's in its final stages. Three cheers for me. It's, oh, oh my God, I can't. I'm on track to release this in September, and there's so many things that I want to tell you about it, but I'm going to keep a lot of it under wraps for now, but I promise to reveal more on the next episode of Elisa Unfiltered, or you can give me a follow uh, at Elisa Curry Lowitz on Instagram. I'm going to be talking about it a ton there. Just so you know, if you're struggling with weight, if you're struggling with self-worth, feeling lost, feeling overwhelmed, feeling unappreciated, and you want to shift your life and empower yourself and step into your integrity, then you are 100% going to want to keep your eyes and ears and nose and all of your freaking senses peeled to where my performance coaching is heading. That's right. I'm coming back. I am dusting off the performance coaching box that I've stuffed myself in for the last four years and I'm coming back. So I'm really excited. Stay tuned for all things Elisa Unfiltered. So I'm also super excited for today's show. Today, big show, great show. My guest is Bonnie Roney and she is the diet culture rebel. Unbelievable, super fascinating, crazy, awesome woman. I found her on Instagram. I'm obsessed with her. She is a food freedom registered dietitian from Florida, USA, and she is here to talk about all things diet culture. Now, if you follow me, you know that this subject has been on the forefront of my mind. I talk about it often as I continue to wake up to my own life and the impact and the brainwashing and the spell that I'm under for diet culture and what it has done to me. So Bonnie's here to be the voice of reason in this world that is saturated with these insane diet culture messages. You know, like you need to look and eat a certain way. So we get into binge eating, clean eating, food restricting, celebrating weight loss, and literally so much more. I think I'm going to leave it at that. Let's get this party started, right? You got it. Here we go. This is Bonnie Roney. All right. Bonnie, welcome to the show. How are you today? I'm doing well, Elisa. Thank you so much for having me. So the diet culture rebel right here with us. I'm so excited to talk to you about all things diet culture. Um, But first of all, I just want to say you have one of the best Instagrams ever. I don't know how I found you on the gram, but every single post really hits home. And that's why I wanted to have you on the show because there's... So I'm at the age or the place in my life where I'm really starting to see the spell that I'm under when it comes to my food. And you just like, you make it so easy to understand and you're so like, you've got a great personality and you're super easy to relate to. I just freaking love you. So I wanted just to get that off my chest. Thank you. Thank you. And I appreciate you saying that, you know, it's helped you realize the spell that you feel like you're you're at under food because so many women feel that way. So I appreciate you feeling that or sharing that. Sorry. So let's like get into it. My, fir- my very first, my very first question. I mean, I do talk to a lot of people about this, but I want to know what is diet culture. Mm-hmm. So diet culture is really all of the messages that we learn about food and our bodies around us. A lot of this is things that we might have learned growing up through media, through TV, um, maybe even 
what our, our parents taught us growing up because they too are susceptible to diet culture. So um, it's really just other outside sources trying to tell you what you should eat, how much you should eat, how you should look, or how you should try and make your body look. And um, yeah, it really just kind of takes control over your life. And it pulls you further and further away from being able to listen to your body. So it really likes to tell you what you need to do as far as food and your body instead of you having that autonomy, uh, which you should, and having the ability to tell your own self what you should eat, how much you should eat, and how, you know, you should feel in your body. Okay, so that makes a lot of sense in theory, but it's so crazy how the the messages sneak their way in and confuse, it's super confusing, like, at first. So I I want to say that I've moved into a more intuitive eating lifestyle. I'm not sure what words to even use because yeah, maybe you can help me with that, but um mm-hmm. I'm eating more intuitively. I'm paying attention to my body. But these little things keep creeping in. So feeling good in my body, I'm I'm not feeling good in my body right now and I'm trying to listen to it. So I don't know. Like that's Well, you know, just to speak on your point of saying that maybe you're not feeling good in your body right now, this is something that a lot of my clients tell me just because bad body image days do exist. Mm -hmm. So when my clients go through these phases and they're struggling with days that they just don't feel good in their body, I really try and teach them to become more in relation to this and, and how, you know, they feel in their body. So instead of viewing it as something terrible and something that is a bad thing and thinking that they need to do something about it, like, oh, let me shrink my body, let me restrict my food, things like that. I just help them understand what these feelings mean, right? Because we all have bad body image days, and a lot of times they're not necessarily a result of our actual body. Sometimes outside forces can come in that we just kind of dump on our body. So maybe you have a stressful day at work, you have an argument with a significant other, who knows things like that could happen and a lot of times your body just becomes a dumping ground so a lot of my clients will oftentimes wrongly blame their body and feeling bad in their body for difficult and heavy feelings that they have going on in other areas of their life so I really like to say come at these feelings around yourself and your body through a lens of curiosity because the reality is sadly that every day most people are not going to feel amazing in their body. Like, you'll definitely have days where you have, you know, you feel good in your skin, you have good body image days, but more likely than not, you're going to have some tough days here and there, which could be a result from outside forces like stress in your life, or just because diet culture is so prevalent and we're always constantly seeing images of what women should look like in the media or being told that we should look a certain way. So it is natural to have some days where you're just not feeling good in your skin. Okay, so is everything in diet culture bad? Like, is it all bad? (laughs) Uh, In my own professional opinion, uh, yeah, I don't don't necessarily support diet culture. (laughs) The reason I ask is because where I get the most confused, and what I was trying to say earlier, is, like, I enjoy eating healthy food. I went through... um, uh, many years of being about a hundred pounds overweight. Um, I ate I, at that time. I ate whatever I wanted. And I drank a lot. That being said, the 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 me- mental side of eating that way was not very good. Like I wasn't in line in alignment with my emotions and my mental state and my body altogether. Whereas I feel like I am now. But I lost the weight and started to have a much better relationship to food by restricting and by experimenting with food and seeing and restricting like gluten, for example, I'm a gluten insensitive person. I've recently become dairy sensitive uh, in the last like five years or so, which was a really hard one because I'm obsessed with cheese and I want to eat the cheese. But now when I eat the cheese, things aren't good. (laughs) But it's still, but I still, so the eating healthy versus diet culture. Maybe you can speak to that a little bit. Yeah. So with intuitive eating, and this is the framework that I teach, 
a common misconception about it is that it means you really just eat whatever you want and you you just completely disregard how you feel. Yeah. And that's not true. Okay. So with intuitive eating, it's really about eating as a form of self-care. So you do take into account how you feel. And sometimes as a result of that, with a few clients I've worked with, yeah, their body has changed. So if they were, you know, overeating on a regular basis, constantly eating past fullness, not respecting their fullness, when they get to a place and they normalize their eating and they're honoring their fullness and they're eating foods that make them feel good, sometimes they do lose weight. It's not the case for everyone. So I I feel like there's a lot of gray area when we're looking at diet culture and then trying to eat these quote-unquote healthy foods because if it does make you feel better that's not necessarily diet culture that's just treating your body with respect and if certain foods really upset your stomach yeah. or they don't make you feel well you know it's not going to be in your best interest it's not an act of self-care if you go ahead and eat them right so if you're constantly eating past fullness if you're eating maybe dairy that just makes you feel terrible then that's not necessarily intuitive eating. So you do have the choice to eat whatever food you want, right? So even you right now, like, yeah, you can eat dairy if you want, but is it going to be in your best interest? Do you want to feel that way afterwards? So with intuitive eating, you can always ask yourself, okay, I have this permission, but do I want to eat it? And do I want to feel this way after I eat it? Okay, so you mentioned some people's body change, like they lose weight and they gain weight. I would imagine uh, there's a period of potential weight gain while you transition out of this diet culture mentality. And I just want to speak to that a little bit because if this, if I had learned about this when I was 100 pounds heavier, um, at that time, one of the catalysts to lose the weight was because I was pre-diabetic. And my doctor told me that I needed to lose weight, basically. And so I was like, shit. And I did. Um, Mm -hmm. So what about, like, what about people who want to lose weight? How do do we lose weight without that restricting, without all the food rules, with the counting calories and all of that kind of stuff? Mm -hmm. Yeah, so I think that's a really great question. And with the approach that I teach with intuitive eating... Intentional weight loss is not supported. So it's not something that, you know, I necessarily sell with my coaching. And we kind of dig deeper into these underlying um, issues. So just like you had said before that you were pre-diabetic, those are things that we can work on together. So some of my clients, um, they've come to me. I don't do medical nutrition or therapy, so I don't treat, you know, specific conditions, but as a byproduct of intuitive eating, I have had some clients have improved health markers. Like I had one client, her hemoglobin A1C, and for the listeners on here, if you're not familiar, it's just the amount of glucose that your blood is is carrying, and so it's a marker of um, pre-diabetes. So she wanted to lower that. It was 5.7%, and after three months of just following the intuitive eating framework and by making behavior changes, like learning how to honor her hunger and her fullness and walking more, she wasn't being active at all before, she was able to lower that to 5.7%. So we, what I do is really look at these underlying things. Okay, so if you want to improve your health, how can we do that without just focusing on weight loss, right? How can you engage in movement that you enjoy get to a place where you can honor your fullness, add in foods that make you feel good. And by doing that, you know, my clients' bodies will naturally do what they need to do to feel comfortable. And then um, a lot of times it does result in those health uh, outcomes. Okay. So that's one of the, one of the things that you kind of mentioned there in the weight gain thing sparked my next question, which is about celebrating weight loss. Um, I really like that you kind of skirted that issue, how it's not part of your program or what you coach, but celebrating weight loss is everywhere. It's everywhere. I have, I haven't seen a lot of my friends because of the COVID situation. I haven't uh, spent a lot of time in groups and some people have lost a lot of weight and it's literally the first comment that I want to say. It's like, it's like, oh, you look so good and commenting on people and how they look or whatever. Can you speak to that a little bit? Yeah, and that is something that uh, 
a lot a lot of people tend to gravitate towards making a comment on weight changes like that because in our society you're right weight loss is really praised so it might feel natural to do that from my stance as a registered dietitian in this sphere of food freedom and improving your relationship with food I found it to be really beneficial to try and actually move away from these weight comments because that keeps the focus on kind of your body being your worth and saying, okay, maybe yes. you look better at this size versus another size. Yes. And you also never know what's going on with someone. So I've worked with a lot of women who have had disordered eating habits. Um, so sometimes their body size might be a result of that. And it's not because they're healthy. It's because they're really struggling with their relationship with food. Or maybe they're going through a difficult time, like a divorce. I've had, you know, clients who've lost a lot of weight because they're going through a hard time like that. Maybe they're sick and they have cancer and they're going through treatment. So there's a lot of reasons why people's body sizes can change. Or maybe they've gained weight because they recently had a baby. And no matter what happened, if it's weight gain or weight loss, the best thing to do is to just not comment about it and try and make comments that just on, on who the person is as a whole. Like, hey, I really appreciate something you did the other day, right? So focus on who they are and take the worth away from their body size. Yeah. So that is definitely a work in progress for me. I mean, it, it's it's really interesting how many times I have I have caught myself in that it's a very challenging thing. It's really ingrained and people do it to me. One of the things that I hear people say to me often is, hey, how's it going? You look great. You look whatever. Like mm-hmm. insert compliment. <laughs> yeah. So fascinating. So fascinating. Okay. Um, so moving away from sort of like diet culture definitions here, I want to talk about the actual uh, eating habits here because one of the things that this intuitive eating has sort of given me the freedom of, or at least has given me the opportunity to recognize in myself that I am a binge eater. Now, that was something that I found really hard to admit that I was a binge eater because, yes, I was eating quite healthy. I have done restrictive stuff. I am trying to figure out what foods are good and what are foods are not good. I just did a 110 day really, really, really intense detox for my liver, which was semi-medical supervised. Um, I did have a liver condition that I was trying to really support my body through. So I did, and that was fine and it was great. And did I binge afterwards? Hell yeah, I did. I binged for months (laughs) and, uh, I, I, I want to talk about the binge eating because I think that you kind of tap on this, but I think that there's different levels of binge eating. There's or, or different ideas or definitions of it. So maybe you can go through what the hell does binge eating mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I appreciate you sharing that because our relationship with food is really personal. So um, just like you said, it was hard for you to kind of admit that you struggle with binge eating. There are yeah. a lot of women that really struggle to admit it because it's personal, it's private, and So yeah, I appreciate you sharing that. And as far as binge eating, a lot of people kind of seem to get it confused with emotional eating and they are similar, but with binge eating, there's typically a feeling of loss of control around food. So you might just feel like you can't stop, like something has taken over you and you're not in control of your food. So you would feel very disconnected from the eating experience. And typically with binge eating, it involves eating an amount of food that is larger than what most people would consider a normal amount of food. Okay. So one of the things that hooked me, I think you wrote this in an Instagram post somewhere sometime, is when you go to eat one, whatever it is, one handful of chips, one cookie, and then you eat the whole thing. That's like something that was like 100 million percent in my uh, cycle. Yeah. That's what yeah, I... Yeah, and a, a lot of women struggle with that. So uh, are you are you meaning like you go and you take a bite, walk maybe back to your chair, and then go back and get another bite? Oh, yeah. Back, I would take the whole... Th- and then I would... Yeah, and I'd just stand beside <laughs> the bowl. I'll just stand there and I'll just eat it. I won't even go back anymore. <laughs> and then... Yeah. The next phase, phase two, is guilt and self-shaming and that that cycle of abuse that I fall into. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you're not alone at all in feeling that way. I really appreciate you being vulnerable because I know it's not yeah. easy to talk about these behaviors with food, but these are the cycles that I really help you know women get out of because, like you said, there's a lot of guilt and shame that follows, and it's not a positive experience for no. the most part. <laughs> okay, so when we're talking binge eating, though, you you mentioned emotional eating. So what do you? What's the difference? Mm-hmm. So typically, binge eating is just on a more extreme level. So you feel just more out of control, and you're typically eating a larger amount of food. Okay. That's the main difference. So emotional eating, you know, maybe you feel some sort of emotions, like you're sad from a hard day at work, and then you go and you just grab some ice cream because you're feeling down. Maybe you have a bowl or something. Um, binge eating, you would probably eat more than that, and it would just be a more extreme uh, reaction with food. So that's really the main difference. They are very similar, but uh, binge eating, like I mentioned before, is just much more extreme. Okay, so where does hormonal eating come into play? Is that even a thing? Like, I swear to God, there's three, two to three days a month where I have a hollow leg. I'm a bottomless pit. All I want to do is eat. I have zero, like, fullness cues. I have zero, like, I have, I, I can't even taste the food sometimes. It goes in so fast. Mm-hmm. What's happening there? <laughs> Why yeah. does that happen? <laughs> I mean, Especially when, you know, women are around their time of the month, they're on their period. So at that time, your energy needs actually go up by a couple hundred calories. So you really actually do need more food. And one of my best tips to help uh, kind of work through this, especially if you're saying you feel like you don't have any fullness cues, like it's just kind of, you don't, it sounds like you might not feel very connected from your body. I really recommend eating consistently. This is something that I always tell my clients. Um, because that's going to help your body feel its best, and it's going to be able to kind of fight against that urge that you might feel later. And I'm not saying this is what you feel, but yeah. what a lot of other women I've talked to feel, where they just feel out of control with food. So that consistent eating is going to give you the energy that you need throughout the day. Maybe even add in some extra food, because you know at that time you do need more food, maybe some chocolate, whatever it is that you might be craving. And this is what I recommend in normalized food. So you know, maybe even add in chocolate at breakfast, add in chocolate at lunch. You know, it doesn't have to be something that's totally off limits. Normalize it. It's going to make it not seem so special. And if you're doing that, eating consistently, eating enough, it's going to just help you feel better on those days where your hormones really might be all over the place. As women, that happens to us. Absolutely. And like, I mean, it's so interesting, the deals that you make. Like, I'm sure that there are people listening right now that are like, okay, if I just don't eat until this time, or if I just hold off until then, like, I, I find myself still making deals with myself now. And I'm, I'm taking pause and trying to push those, that, that automation. It's like my automation, my automatic learnings. Uh, a little bit away with some breathing and coming back into the moment and like recognizing that my beliefs are not mine, (laughs) that they're essentially made up from the world and I've just agreed to them. So, um, so yeah, I mean, the other thing that happens to me during my time of month, month, as soon as I'm done or out of that hormonal, uh, uh, blackout <laughs> eating blackout let's call it um I my first thoughts are I need to eat clean I'd like you I'd like your opinion on what is clean eating because I honestly have I felt empowered and I felt uh superior almost to other people because I was clean eating it was like this ego thing <laughs> I mean, I yeah. ate clean for years and it's still where I want to go. Like, <laughs> yeah, can, I, I'm almost like embarrassed. <laughs> I'm almost embarrassed. But can you talk about that a little bit? <laughs> yeah. So clean eating, it's interesting because there's not a clear defined term for what clean eating is. So people define it basically however they want, right? Right. There's no clear definition. So I can't say exactly what it is, but generally it involves eating cl- foods that are more whole like fruits and vegetables and things that have more uh, nutrient density in them so maybe your whole grains or lean meats depending on who's who's coming up with this right yeah um and what I like to do and I really like that you mentioned that 
when you ate clean or when you do, sometimes you feel this like superiority yes. um, over other people. And uh, I really try and move away from labeling any foods or style of eating like that because when you label the style of eating like that, clean eating, it can make you feel amazing. But then on the other end, if you're not eating, you know, quote unquote clean, how does that make you feel? Yeah, it makes me so, feel like a hidden, I'm going to sit in my closet and eat a bag of dill pickle chips kind of way. <laughs> like, right, yeah, and so I'm really happy you said that because that's how it makes a lot of women feel, and by labeling food like that, it can actually fuel binge eating because it brings about all these feelings of either, okay, you're amazing if you're, you know, uh, in this white area of black and white thinking, but then if you failed and you ate something not on your okay list and it brings you to that other extreme of the black area where you're not feeling so great about what you're eating so I always like to go into the gray area where we're not really labeling foods not really putting foods off limits um, and moving away from those terms because that makes you feel better as a person you're not tying morality to what you eat Ooh, that's good yeah the good food the bad food conversations in my brain are like endless at times I can't eat that oh I couldn't I could never eat that oh my gosh like that food is so beneath me (laughs) it's crazy it's real okay so um one of your posts actually uh, yeah I'm pretty sure you might have it might have been a story but you talk about um feeling like eating binge eating and then feeling bloated and ashamed the next day um I want to get into that a little bit because even as a practicing intuitive eater, I'm not going to say I'm totally there because I'm still, you know, I'm just a couple months in here. Excuse me. Um, There are many foods that bloat me. And I mean, I would have considered them to be healthy. I don't know. Uh, And then there are some foods that I eat and I feel that are quote unquote bad foods. And I feel not bloated and ashamed, but I guess my question, the que- there is a question in here. My question is, um, like what, what does it mean to wake up feeling bloated and ashamed? Like what brings us there to that space? Mm-hmm. So a lot of the clients I've worked with, and I mean, this can be different for a lot of people, but what I've seen generally with the women I've worked with is that, they wake up feeling this way after maybe a night of binge eating. And sometimes they call it the binge hangover. Yeah. So they've just eaten a ton of food the night before. You know, who knows what it is. Maybe peanut butter, cake, cookies, sure. ice cream, whipped cream, whatever it may be. And after that, just because they have consumed so much food, a lot of times they really do feel this bloat. I would say it's a combination of, um, like, physical bloat, but also these heavy mental feelings so I think that they both really do contribute um and you know when you're able to get to a place where you have less guilt stress shame around food it really does help you be able to feel feel better about the food that you're eating and actually improve your digestion um but that is one big reason why you can wake up feeling that way and typically the feelings of shame are just associated with embarrassment you know feeling uh, insecure and uh, just uncomfortable with the amount of food that they ate. Typically, at least women I've worked with, their binge eating is a very personal, private thing. They haven't told many people about it. So it's just something that they're just keeping all of themselves. It's a lot of feelings that are built up that make them feel that way. Okay, that just sparked like 40 million questions. One of them is like, (laughs) how do we move away from the shame of it, though? Yeah. And that's a very good question. And like I mentioned earlier about the importance of eating consistently, that's one thing I would 100% recommend because that's going to help you be able to break this cycle of binge eating because a lot of times binge eating is associated with restriction, whether it's physical or like you mentioned before, when you would make deals with yourself and say things like, okay, well, I'll just eat this later or I'll have this tomorrow. When you can move away from that, it helps. And starting to make peace with whatever your bench foods are is really, really important. So a lot of people want to turn to easy solutions like keeping bench foods out of the house, but that doesn't solve the long-term you know, yes. issue at hand. It doesn't solve the underlying problem. It's just putting a Band-Aid on your binge eating. It's not solving it. 
So I recommend making peace with these foods really by working with, you know, a dietitian to help you do this. But um, what my clients that I work with, they really work on making peace with one binge food at a time. So let's say it's ice cream, for example, they will intentionally eat it, make peace with it, keep it at home so they can get to a place where they're not feeling out of control with it. Mm -hmm. And that helps to reduce these feelings of shame. Okay, so let's get into that because that's kind of where I'm at in my personal journey of this. And um, I see a lot of people on social media with their fat phobic style of comments because I, I don't think what you're saying is promoting obesity <clears throat> and saying that has nothing to do with it. However, when we, when we see skinny or non-marginalized white women eating whatever we want people get um triggered by that because they we don't understand or do you know do you know see where I'm going with this a little bit so yeah um the people that have the opinion that <clears throat> that no matter how at peace you are with the donut you're promoting obesity by saying you can eat it whenever you want to eat it. Right. And I think I could say, I feel like I could say so much about this. Yeah. (laughs) Say it. (laughs) Say it. (laughs) Um, But you're right in saying, you know, sometimes people do get triggered by seeing someone, you know, like, like myself promoting eating whatever you want. And I'm not going to lie. You know, I do have thin privilege. So I'm a thin white female saying eat whatever you want so that is true um and I think that fearing that if people fear that I am contributing to the obesity epidemic that's a problem in and of itself there's so much fat shaming that goes on in the world and the discrimination that people in larger bodies face on a day-to-day basis is um it's quite intense there's a lot of it so even by saying okay you're contributing to the obesity epidemic that's also really contributing to all of these negative feelings that people have towards people in bigger bodies. So my job as a dietitian is to move away from saying things like that because we're learning so much about health at every size and you really truly can't judge someone's health by looking at their appearance. You know, people come in all shapes and sizes, just like dogs come in all shapes and sizes. So you really have no idea what someone's going through. And what we're learning is that um, with the discrimination that people in larger bodies face on a day-to-day basis through fat phobia, fat shaming, that actually plays a horrible role on their health. So I think what's important is that dietitians and people like ourselves continue to shed light on this matter because there's just a lot of education that needs to be done on it. Uh, A lot of people are just not familiar because we've been taught to believe, you know, from BMI charts and this and that, that having a smaller body is healthy, but that's not necessarily the case. And really health comes from treating your body with respect, honoring your body's needs, and um, yeah, using food as a form of self-care. So I like to move away from those terms of like the obesity epidemic and things like that and just focus on behavior changes. I really like that. So when someone is transitioning away from the diets or diet culture, or becoming a diet culture rebel, is their biggest fear that they're going to get fat? I have a lot of clients who tell me that. Like, they straight up say, I'm worried I'm going to gain 200 pounds. You know, they say that. Um, But the fact of the matter is, you know, if your body is to change that drastically, then it could be indicative that you're not necessarily honoring your body. So, um we all have a set point weight. So we all have a weight that our body feels it's best and most natural at. And it can change throughout life depending on various things that we go through, like pregnancy, menopause, yeah, getting sure. older, right? When we get older, we gain weight. It's just the, the fact of the matter. So when my clients have this fear, you know, I, I like to also share with them, okay, what kind of trends has your body maybe been through throughout your life? And if your body has naturally gravitated towards a certain size, that could be a sign that maybe that is your set point weight. I can't say for sure. Um, and then another thing that I like to tell my clients and reassure them with is when you do normalize your eating, your weight will stabilize. I can't tell you at what size, when, how 
yep, long it's sure. going to take. But with respecting your body, it will stabilize. Okay. I want to kind of move into actual diets and people's opinions on them because there are many, many, many people in my life who have benefited, I'm using air quotes here, from the keto diet, uh, <clears throat> which is mad restriction. <clears throat> Excuse me, there's something in my throat today. So the keto diet, well, I mean, there's, because you mentioned trends at some point here, trends, and keto is super trendy. I did keto. I did lose 10 pounds on the keto. I was trying to lean out for a marathon about three years ago, and I got really sick actually from it, and I had to stop. I had to eat more food. I had to eat food that I needed for for all the running that I was doing. It was just, I got sick. It was a really hard time for me. And I tried keto again last year and I immediately gained weight on the keto diet. It was really interesting. And everyone's like, oh, it's just because you're eating too much fat. You're eating too many calories. And I was like, this is stupid. Um, however, a lot of people have really benefited from certain diets. What is your, can you speak to that? Is that just us believing yeah. in the diet culture? <laughs> so with dieting, and I'm not ever going to tell someone, you know, that they should eat differently, right? Like if you find a style that works for you, great. But the problem that I see oftentimes with things like this is that they're not sustainable. So yeah, they might work in the short term, yeah. but does that mean it works in the long term? So I like to look and see, okay, so if you got whatever outcomes you were looking for, typically it's weight loss when people try and go to keto. Um, were you able to sustain that for over, what, two to five years? Were you able to do that? Because that would be something sustainable. A lot of people will say, oh, well, I lost X pounds in six months or something like that. That's short term. So when we're talking long term, we're talking about years. And that's where we are lacking data with research. We haven't been able to find research that shows that long sustained weight loss from intentional diets and weight loss like keto for years and years and years to come we do see short-term weight loss i can't deny that that's there yeah, but sure. to maintain it for years that's what we're lacking is that um so what's your opinion on the the word it's not a diet it's a lifestyle because all the diets are a lifestyle change <laughs> right yeah i think it that's just sneaky diet culture really coming in. Yeah. So sometimes it could be well-meaning, but a lot of times what I see is that they are oftentimes very restrictive, cutting out a lot of foods, and um, yeah, so it, it, weight loss is being masked by the term lifestyle change because right now in this day and age, everyone is looking for a lifestyle change, right? It's just like a marketing term. That's the thing about it. So diets are rebranding themselves. Like if you look at Weight Watchers, they're now calling themselves Weight Watchers Reimagined, right? So they've yeah. rebranded to follow this trend of lifestyle changes, but they're still all about weight loss. So it's a little bit sneaky. It's really sneaky. It's like it's like deep, like 10 layers deep sneaky. Like totally pulls at everyone's uh, like heartstrings with this I mean what but intuitive eating is also kind of sort of a lifestyle is it not I would say it's a lifestyle because it's basically just listening to your body right we were all born as intuitive eaters so the second you entered this world you knew how much you should eat how much you should drink when to stop when you're full cry when you're hungry um and so just messages that we've learned growing up whether it be from our parents teaching us things maybe saying something like snacks are bad or you have yeah. to finish your plate before you have dessert. You know, little messages like that pull you further and further away from your intuitive eater. So intuitive eating has 10 principles that just guide you to get back to that place that you were when we first entered this world where we yeah. learned how to actually feel satisfied from food, honor our cravings, uh, engage in movement that we enjoy, respect our bodies. And so that is 100% a lifestyle change. I like to say if any way of eating is asking you to cut out foods um, or to restrict what you're eating, then that's not that's not really a lifestyle change. It should be something that you can do literally from today to the day you die. Okay, we've talked a lot about food here, but 
I really feel that fitness is a huge part and workouts are a huge part of diet culture as well. Um, let's talk about that because I, I have a lot of friends. I observe a lot of people in my life whose workouts control their life, basically. They... And I, I, not to say that I'm not guilty of that as well. I feel like I'm a recovering uh, workout aholic. Um, I used to eat something and be like, it's okay, I'm running 10K. Or it's okay, I'm doing this workout. Or, you know, justify what I was eating because I was going to be working out. And if I didn't work out, I would go into this cycle of shame and guilt and worry. And so how does fitness play a role here? Yeah, so our relationship with exercise is really similar to our relationship with food. And it's important to get to a place where, you know, you can go into ebbs and flows of your life and take a rest day if you need without it causing you guilt, stress, or anxiety. So a question I like to ask is, okay, if you had to just take a rest day because maybe it's raining all day outside and you can't go for a run, like, how would that make you feel? Or if your uh, Apple Watch broke or your Fitbit or Garmin broke and you you couldn't see how many steps you did in the day. Yeah. Would that cause you total anxiety? Yeah. So if the answer is yes, that that's pretty indicative that, you know, your relationship with exercise does need to be worked on. So what we want to look at here and try and do is uncouple the idea that food needs to be earned or that um, yes. you should make up for food that you eat by doing an intense exercise. So movement, it should add value to our life. It should not deplete you it shouldn't stress you out it shouldn't give you anxiety so it's just changing the way you look and and feel about movement it doesn't mean you need to stop working out like that's not the case at all I work out on a regular basis because I really enjoy it but you know I know I'm at a place where I do take rest days I used to never take a rest day or I would try and do two a days and I was totally exhausted if I was sick had a fever like I would go outside and I would go for a run you know so when we look at your relationship with exercise, you also have to use that and look at it as a form of self-care. So if it's tearing you down and it's causing you stress, it could be helpful to have some intentional rest days. Yes, I have to agree with that. That's been like a huge thing that I've incorporated into my own uh, exercise regime. But man, there was years and years where I was, it was super hard to do that, I felt like a loss of identity. I felt like I, a part of me was like dead if I couldn't go for a run. I was so strongly identified to my beliefs about food and fitness for so, so long. And I feel, okay, so if there are listeners right now that are kind of in that gray zone, like what types of clients are best suited to like begin something like this? Like, what kind of questions might someone be asking themselves if they're kind of sick and tired of this diet culture bullshit? Um, so when you say questions that they might be asking themselves, do you mean in reference to forming a better relationship with fitness? Uh, and food. Like to become a diet culture rebel, if you will. Mm-hmm. So I would say if you are wondering, you know, uh, if the way you're eating is normal, if there is a better way, if you have guilt, stress, shame around food, just if, if food and fitness is taking up too much of your life, if you're not able to focus on many other things, then those are clear signs that it could be really helpful to look at improving your relationship with food and exercise. What about people who feel like they lack the willpower or the discipline and those key triggering words? <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly what diet culture teaches us, is that our relationship with food and exercise is all about just discipline and willpower, and that's not true. So, at least with food, if you feel like you're lacking willpower or discipline, it's because there's some sort of restriction in the mix with your relationship with food. So, a lot of times people will feel out of control with food because they're either under eating and then they get to a place where they're just starving and they need to eat something Mm -hmm. or they're trying to cut out certain foods so if you're mentally restricting certain foods like let's say foods with added sugar or processed foods like chips um a lot of times when that happens when you get around these foods then the all or nothing mentality will kick in yeah and you can't fight this willpower so when you improve your relationship with food step away from diet culture stop labeling food as good and bad 
then you don't have to worry about willpower. It's not something that you have to fight. Your body just naturally will allow you to choose foods that you like, foods that you need, how much you need. And, um, yeah, you just listen to your body. Willpower and discipline, it's not a thing with eating. Do you find that different? Okay, so you have a coaching. I wanted. I definitely want to talk about your coaching program a little bit because you mm-hmm. – is it monthly or is it whenever? It's, it's month. Did you say monthly? Yeah. Yeah, so it's three months uh, at a minimum that women work with me in my coaching. Okay, so within your program, have you noticed a difference uh, between – this might be a weird question, but it's, I just have to ask it between generations like would a 20 year old respond differently to a 30 year old to a 40 50 60 or is it all kind of the everyone's sort of the same here and I and the reason I ask that is because when I was in my 20s I was completely under the spell as I get older I am starting to step into my own integrity into my own knowing into and understand my body and my knowing a little bit more so I'm just curious to know. It's more a curiosity question. Yeah. So I would say that uh, women and clients of all ages that I work with are, are definitely very insightful. But I would say that the women I work with who are older, they tend to just be so fed up with diet culture and their history of dieting because they've yeah. been doing it for longer that they don't care as much about the effects on their body that intuitive eating could have. So I'm not saying that they don't care, like weight gain still scares them or changing body scares them, Yeah. but they're just so over feeling guilt, stress, shame around food and binge eating that they're ready to go more all in and do whatever they need to do to improve their relationship with food and set these fears aside. So I would say that's the main difference, but really women of all ages have been able to find success in my coaching, but I would say that specifically, I have seen changes between maybe like decades from 20s to 30s to 50s to 60s. Gotcha. Um, and then I guess one of my, my last questions here, um, because you had mentioned it earlier, I want to talk about what it means to eat like a normal person in your opinion. (laughs) Yeah, that's such a good question. It's so subjective, but so many women DM me or they work with me and they say, I just want to eat like a normal person. So typically for them, they're comparing to how their friends or their family eat and they yeah. think, you know, I just want to be able to eat what I want, stop when I'm full, not stress. If I want a burger and fries, order that. If I want a salad, order that. So that's what a lot of women I work with say. But my personal take on it is eating like a normal person is being an intuitive eater. So honoring your hunger, honoring your fullness, actually enjoying the food that you eat and respecting your body with your food choices. So not putting out any foods, allowing all foods in, yeah. um, but honoring your body at the same time. That's my take on what a normal eater is. Okay. I kind of lied because I have one more question. I have to ask this because I meant to ask it earlier because it's on being full. That's one of the things of being an intuitive eater is honoring your fullness and honoring your hunger. Um, because I'm a, I'm a, a, a compulsive or I, I, I was, I'm a recovering compulsive overeater when I love something, I don't want to stop eating it. I mean, I had like 10 egg rolls the other day and man, it was delicious. And I savored every last damn one of them, but I woke up and my rings, my fingers, like my rings are stuck on my fingers. My fingers are so bloated. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I love that. <laughs> that is just amazing food, I will say. Oh my god! Um, but not being able to stop eating when full, uh, oftentimes, is a result of fearing that you know you might not be able to eat this food again. So typically, oh. this does still come from a place of restriction. So thinking, okay, I might as well eat it all now because I'm not going to let myself eat it tomorrow, or it's going away. Um, and sometimes, you know, this can come up too if it's like a seasonal food. So maybe you're having something delicious around the holidays and you know you're not getting it for another year. So it's like that, except that a lot of times we bring that upon ourselves Yes. any day of the year if we're cutting out certain foods. So when it comes to honoring fullness, I like to say, again, it's moving away from restriction. So giving yourself unconditional permission to eat. I love mantras that make you feel like you live a life of abundance around food. 
So maybe saying something like, okay, I can have more of this tomorrow if I want. Or let's say you yeah. go out to eat and you're having egg rolls and they're delicious and you want to eat them because you don't know when you're going to get them again. A mantra you could say would be, you know what, if I want, like I can drive myself to this restaurant and buy these egg rolls again tomorrow if I want. So practice living in that abundance or even take some home to go, order extra, take them home. Whatever makes you feel like they're not going anywhere is really helpful. Um, and eating consistently too. I know yeah. I've said that a lot and it's just so important. So eating consistently, honoring your hunger, because if you don't have a good relationship with your hunger, then you're not going to be able to stop eating when you're full. So all of that is really important um, to be able to get to a place where it's easy for you to stop eating when you're full without feeling deprived. Okay, that just like, I had a mind blast there. I just had an aha moment with the with the whole, I'm not going to eat this again for a long time. I might as well eat the whole damn thing. That's exactly what I did with the egg rolls. Crazy. <laughs> Oh my gosh, this is amazing. I love, I'm so happy that I talked to you. <laughs> wow. Wow. Okay, so I I know that a million people are like, how do I, listening right now are like, how do I join this program? So talk to me a little bit about your coaching program. Yeah, so what I'm doing right now is group coaching. Like I mentioned, it is three months long because yeah. it really does take a long time to improve sure. your relationship with food. And we have coaching calls, you know, over Zoom. We have the Facebook community. And uh, I also provide extra educational material in the form of modules and videos for my clients. But what my clients find most successful or most helpful about my coaching is that is the community. Yes. So many of them just feel, you know, alone, isolated, like their struggles with food have never been validated. Yes. So, it's therapeutic for them to just be in the group and hear other women struggling with the same exact thing. Yes. Know that, you know, it hasn't been easy for them to struggle with this and they're not alone. So that in and of itself is so helpful. And then recovering from binge eating and getting to a place where they can eat without guilt or shame. Okay. So, and, and you can start at any time. Yeah. So I usually have about one or two groups starting a month. Okay. Um, but they do fill quickly. So if anyone listening is interested, reach out to me as soon as possible. <laughs> and so we can find you. So where can we reach out to you? At uh, your website is bonnieroney.com. Yes, that I, is correct. I will have all the links in my in the show notes as well. And then give her a follow on Instagram at, at diet.culture.rebel. Did I get that right? Yep, that's it. Yeah such a good Instagram like so so good <laughs> I so appreciate it I have fun on there <laughs> amazing so thank you so much for coming and chatting today is there anything else we're missing like what is there anything else that you want to say if you are feeling nervous about improving your relationship with food that's totally normal you're not alone and it's super worth it to take the leap of faith then work on making some changes. So that's all I have to say. And thank you so much for having me on here, Elisa. This was yeah. amazing. So fun. Okay. Well, have a great day. Enjoy that Florida weather. <laughs> I will. <laughs> Definitely. Thank you. All right, everyone. That is all for today. Go give Bonnie a follow on the gram at at diet.culture.rebel. Learn all about her coaching program and more at www.bonnieroney.com. And of course, you can find all of these links in the show notes. If you haven't done so yet, please share this show on your social media. Tag me at at Elisa Curry Lowitz. And I know this can be annoying, but I'd really appreciate you showing your love for the show by heading over to Apple Podcasts or Google Play and hitting that subscribe button. Give me a five-star rating and leave a review. It would also be hugely appreciated. Okay, that's all for me today. I will see you in two weeks. Have the best day, everyone. Until next time. <laughs>